Two-thirds of university students are regularly struggling to buy food, clothes, pay bills and get health care. Nearly 70% say they had poor mental well-being during the pandemic. This has all come out from a people's inquiry into student well-being. There's a lot more. It's, it's been commissioned by the Green Party and various student unions. So joining us now is Chloe Swarbrick, the Green Party's tertiary education spokesperson. Kia ora, Chloe. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Got any more findings from the survey? Oh, there's a number. Uh, we know, for example, that affordable housing is considered as uh, somebody paying not more than 30% of their income. For students, it's double that at around 56%. We know that 60% of students are studying without their family support, and that's a particularly profound uh, statistic, obviously far higher for Māori and Pacifica students. We know that 64% of students don't have enough time to attend classes as much as they'd like, often because they're working too much or the cost of transport is too high. Uh, And I guess the core finding is that absolutely none of the struggle is inevitable as the consequence of political decisions that have been made in the past and are still being made today. So we're hoping that this forces change. Yes, I don't want to be callous, but uh, aren't these the situations that have continued on forever? I mean, every student's always been poor. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the case that we have a really profound narrative of struggle when it comes to being a tertiary student in this country. However, if you track even for inflation, let alone if you start to include increasing costs of things like groceries and particularly rents, that students today are far worse off in real terms, thousands of dollars a month and particularly a year than students only 10 years ago. And that's not even taking into account the fact that university costs a nominal fee to go to 50, 40 years ago now. Uh, So again, this just raises exactly the point that if we're to treat education as a core fundamental to the progress of this country, including for unlocking productivity, which of course has been a big challenge for us in our economy for you know decades now, mm. then we have to start seeing prioritising and investing in education as the public good that it is. Uh, I also know the 69% report of poorer mental well-being during the pandemic. So that was something that was quite isolated to this actual period of time. It was, and I think it's really interesting and important to talk about that COVID-19 response period, right? Because at the start of 2020, when the pandemic was landing on our shores and we had the government lining up to uh, and aware of the fact that it was going to have to spend billions of dollars in order to keep our economy afloat, they decided to chop two key promises to students. That was extending or reinstating postgraduate student allowances, which the government and Labor had campaigned on and promised that they would instate last term. And the second was the extension of fees free. Both of those things were on the chopping block and students were sacrificed once again. Uh, instead, uh, saddled with supposed supports that were incredibly discretionary in their nature and very limited. Meanwhile, we obviously saw far higher levels of support on a good faith basis to those, for example, than the business sector. Mm, yeah, but everyone would say that uh, everybody is making sacrifices and uh, we only have uh, so much cloth. I agree that everybody is making sacrifices and I think, you know, when we're talking about all of those struggles inside of our healthcare system and our education system and and our essential uh, services, the likes of firefighters and otherwise, that we need to make a decision as a country about what kind of country we want to be. Do we want to continue to perpetuate the status quo of deep inequality? And I, you know, here would raise the point of uh, inflation figures today at 7.3%. While, of course, the Mm. increase in cost of living has increased goods and services 
services becoming more expensive, those impacts are not being felt equally. So it's the case that, you know, while some particularly colossal companies like those in oil and gas, groceries and building materials are dubiously raising prices and profits, two and a half million New Zealanders, the least wealthy half of this country, try and get by on a rapidly diminishing 2% of the wealth. The top 10%, meanwhile, are currently sitting atop 70% of the country's wealth. Chloe Swalbrick, thanks for your time today.